Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. How many of you guys like that song this morning? Was that not awesome? Come on, I don't know about you, but man, I was feeling it in that moment. Uh, can we just do this? I don't know where they're at. I don't know if they like are getting a drink right now. I'm, I'm, by drink, I mean water. Um, but uh, Ben and Janelle, where are you guys at? Where are Ben and Janelle at? Um, they're probably, that's fine, that's fine. They're out there. They're, they're, that's cool. They can hear. There's Janelle in the back. There's Ben right there. This couple right here, man. Um, so thankful for this couple, man, doing so much for the church. Um, a lot of times you'll see them behind the scenes, but on Sunday morning, man, they've been doing a phenomenal job in worship. And that song today, man, we could have just sung that all day long and not heard me preach, but we don't want to do that. Um, but man, that song was so good. Man, you could feel it this morning. Also, I don't know, did you see the dude over here on the guitar and the piano? What? I mean, that's my nephew, and I was like, wait a second, he just went from guitar to piano. What is going on right now? I mean, I know he's got the same last name, so I knew he had it in him, but come on, somebody. Um, that was phenomenal, and then I don't know where Arturo's at. Arturo on the drums. There he is in the back, man. So good to have you back. Um, uh, man, we love highlighting all the incredible people that make Canvas Church uh, uh, what it is. And man, I'll tell you what, this team, uh, you know, a lot, you know, for six months, I mean, we, we weren't here meeting, but that, the, the worship team continued to meet every Thursday and continued to do worship and put stuff together. Um, and they haven't stopped one time during this whole entire thing. Obviously, you can tell that the team's a little bit thinner. Um, so if you're out there um, and you play an instrument, even if you don't think you're that great, it's okay. Um, and we want you on the team. And so, um, um, you saw Ben and Janelle walk in right over here. If you were like, you know, I'd love to get involved in worship, um, go talk to them today and say, man, I'd love to get involved. And uh, maybe, maybe you don't play an instrument at all, but maybe you have a great voice or maybe you think you have a great voice. Come on, somebody. At that point, it doesn't matter. Just come on, right, and talk with them. We'd love to get you involved. And listen to me, there are no age restrictions, okay? Um, you don't have to be a certain age. And so if you are like, I love to worship, man, go talk to them, and uh, whether it's teenager or whether it's retired, all right? Um, and let's, uh, let's continue to build this beautiful thing called the church, amen? Amen. Grab your Bibles, if you would, and go with me to the book of Ephesians. We've been in an incredible series, and I say incredible because it has been, uh, entitled Clean Canvas. And um, that, that all originated really as we started thinking about coming back when we thought we're going to be able to reopen the doors and, and whatnot. And we thought, well, we need to look like a clean canvas. Come on, somebody. That's the name of our church. And we want people to feel safe when they walk on. And then I started thinking about this. I said, you know what? But so much more uh, than just having a clean building. Come on. We should be clean vessels for Jesus Christ, right? And, and we, should, we should dive into scripture and go back to some of the basics and discover what Jesus is building. And here's what Jesus is building. He's building his church. And you are a part of that church. Uh, he's building his church. And the Bible says in which the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Such a powerful, powerful thought. Uh, that, listen to me, there is no demon in hell, there is no circumstance too big, there is no virus too big, come on somebody. Uh, there is nothing that can come against the church and stop the church of Jesus Christ. And so we dove into the book of Ephesians because, honestly, it's all about the church. And here's some things that we've discovered. Uh, we've discovered that God is uniquely building his church and has invited us in. Invited each and every one of us to be a part. As we walk in obedience to him, that's, that's, that's essential. As we walk in obedience to him and in love and unity with one another. Okay, that's been a big part of this whole thing that we've been talking about over the last uh, uh, four chapters. 
as we walk in obedience to him and love and unity with one another, we can overcome any challenges that we are faced with. Amen? Amen. And so we've been looking at this. We've been looking at the church. We've been looking about our part. We've been looking how, how God, uh, through Christ, so sovereignly has brought people groups together. Uh, in, in, in particular here, as Paul is writing the, the church in Ephesus, uh, he's writing to two people groups. He's writing to the Gentiles and he's writing to the Jews. And he's, in essence, telling them to get along. And he's saying, hey, look, God is building something, and it's no longer about the Jewish nation. It's no longer about the Gen. It's, it's about he's building a brand new thing called the church, and he's bringing together whoever he wants to bring together. And the reason love and unity is such a predominant theme is because uh, the Gentiles and the Jews were, were, were naturally at odds with one another. And so as Christ was bringing these people together, he was showing us something that, man, as we surrender to him, no matter what our background is, he can use us to build his church. So here we are in, in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to pick it up in chapter 4, uh, verse 17, and we're going to conclude chapter 4, which means we only have two more chapters to go, and uh, then we'll see what God has for us next. But Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it reads, with the Lord's authority, I say this. This is Paul talking to the people that are in Ephesus, both Jews, Gentiles, those are, who are surrendering to God. He says, with God's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Now, I, I thought you said, Pastor, he's bringing together the Jews and the Gentiles. He is. What he's saying is, is hey, the, the, the Gentiles of the past, the former way of life, that, that past way of life, don't live like that any longer. Okay? You're now a part of something new. So, so don't live like they do because they are hopelessly confused. It's one thing to be confused. It's another thing to be hopelessly confused confused. Like, it's, 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 hey, there's just no hope for you. You're just confused. You're always going to be confused. God bless you. Okay? Their minds are full of darkness. Probably why they're hopelessly confused. They wander far from li the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. Sounds like our culture. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. And there is a classic Paul statement right there. Rather than Paul continuing to write every idea out, he just kind of sums it up and says everything that's impure. They just give themselves to it. All impurity, everything that's impure, they just, they pursue it. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupt by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. Love this next part. Truly righteous and holy. I love what Paul says. Hey, put on the new nature, which is like God. Hey, hey, by the way, it's truly righteous and holy. Not, not pseudo, not fake, not, 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 your, not an action. It's, it's, it's a regeneration from the inside out. Truly righteous and holy. Verse 25. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. I'd love you to highlight that thought. We're going to try to come back to it. So stop telling lies. Lies. Remember, he's talking to those that have come into the, that are part of the church, that are believers. He's saying, hey guys, stop telling lies. Well, were they going around actually lying about one another and to one another? 
there, there's probably some of that going on. But if you look at the, the heading of this, at least in the New Living Translation, it says, living as children of light. Living as children of light. Sometimes we are not professing the truth to our neighbors by the way we don't live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And therefore we're painting a lie. He's saying, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Some of you should probably highlight that one. <laughs> Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit, listen to it now, by the way you live. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't bring sorrow to God. Don't bring shame to God by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Praise Jesus. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. As well as all types of evil behavior. There it is, classic Paul again. Not going to take time to list it all. Just Instead, now listen to this. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Oh, you need an example? Okay. Just as Christ forgave you, forgive others. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we pray that your word would come alive, uh, Lord, in this place. God, I pray that, uh, Lord, in the next few moments that we have together, that, Lord, you would speak to each and every one of us. God, uh, in, in the context of where we're living, in the context of, of, of what's going on in our world, that this would just make so much sense. And God, it would be an encouragement. God, it would be a challenge. Maybe it would be a correction to some. But Lord, I pray that we would walk out of this place. God, I pray we'd walk out of this place. God, with a greater understanding of, of the way you want us to live as Christ followers. Lord, I pray you'd help me now in the next few minutes, few minutes that I have to, uh, to create a place for people to encounter your son Jesus to know your incredible love, and to realize the amazing plan that you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Does anybody here like to go camping? All right, there's a few. There's a, everybody's like, no. How many of you guys like to go glamping? You know what glamping is, right? Like, okay, some of you are like, yeah. yeah. See, when I said camping, some of you immediately thought of a hotel, Motel 6. Come on, somebody. When I said camping, some of you thought about an RV, you know, and, and with air conditioning and a television and a satellite dish on it so you don't miss the big games, you know. Uh, some of you when, you, when I mentioned camping, you, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, you're going, you have a tent, uh, you, have a, you have a, you know, a backpack or you have like a, a sleeping bag and a pillow and you're just going to, you're going to go out there and you're going to camp, all right. I did all sorts of different types of camping growing up and I'll never forget uh, one, of the, one of the trips that we went on um, was we were driving from San Diego to Seattle. And, uh, and we just said, we're going to camp along the way. Now, the first one, we kind of broke our kids into it. We stayed at a KOA camp, glamping, right? 
stayed at a KOA camp and just kind of like they had all the bells and whistles, whatever. And it was nice, whatever. But then we finally got to the Redwoods. Anybody ever camped in the Redwoods before? Nobody? Oh, some of you? Okay. Beautiful. Here's the thing, though, um, is that at nighttime in the Redwoods, it is pitch dark. I mean, it is black. I mean, you can't even, you can't even see. Matter of fact, we're not able to make it pitch dark in here, but can we, can we turn off, like, all the lights, the house lights, not just gym them, like, turn them off, like, flip the switch. Can we turn off the stage lights, too? Okay, yeah, see, we got all these screens. It's not going to be pitch black. But, but I remember being up there, and you can't even see the moon because, the, because the, the, you know, the trees are so big. And um, I was so thankful at that moment that I packed one of these right here. So that I could tell scary stories to my daughters. No. I'm so glad that I, that I packed one of these things right here. Because it was so dark. And I remember in the middle of the night, um, our, our, one of my girls had to use the restroom. And so, man, I looked all over for the flashlight. I found it. It was pitch dark. And had we not had this, let me tell you something, we would have never found our way to the restroom, okay? And had we been lucky enough to find our way there, we probably would have never found our way back. Probably would have ended up in somebody else's tent, which would never goes right, okay? <laughs> but we had a flashlight. And I'm telling you, the minute we turned that flashlight on, man, you could see the path. You could see, you know, where we're going. Man, it was, it was wonderful. We found the restroom. We used it. We came back and, and, and no harm, right? It was awesome. But here's one of the things I did as I was walking my daughter to the restroom is, is if I had her behind me, she would still be in the dark, right? And so what I learned to do when my kids were younger is I, I learned to have the flashlight where they could see it and I could see it so they could see where they're taking their steps so they wouldn't stumble and they wouldn't fall, right? Had we not had the flashlight, man, pitch dark. But because we had the flashlight, we could see where we're going. Not only could I see where we're going, but my daughters could see where where they're going. Here in this passage, you can turn the lights back on. Here in this passage, Paul is instructing the church how to be children of the light. He's instructing them on how to live in such a way that not only they can see, verses 25 and 28, but how others can see. In other words, he's saying, listen, this world without the church, without you, without the children of the light, this world is really dark. This world is, is, really, is really dim. This world can't see where they need to go. This world can't see the next step they're supposed to take. Listen, if we don't live as children of the light, people aren't going to have a, a, a reason for living. People aren't going to have, have, have the ability to see where they need to go. See, we're living, in a, we're living in a culture and in a day, listen to me, where things are really dark. But here's what I hear too many people saying right now within the church. Man, I can't believe how bad it is out there. Man, can you believe? I can't believe these are the two people we have to vote for. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this has happened. I can't believe that has happened. This is all I hear him talk about. I hear him talk about how dark it is. But listen to me, maybe as the church, rather than looking and saying how dark it is, maybe we need to grab the flashlight and maybe we need to turn it on and begin to show people the way they need to live life. See, could you imagine? I mean, I'm, I'm walking my daughter to the bathroom. I'm like, keep up. Like, Daddy, it's dark. I know it's dark. Just, just feel your way through it, you know, and just drag her. She comes back with, like, cuts and bruises all over. But, you know, I'll be honest with you. Especially over the last six months, I almost feel like that's the way the church has been, been acting. 
what's wrong with the world? I can't believe that. I can't believe that. Rather than complaining about it, why don't we be children of the light? And why don't we brighten up the world that Christ has put us in? Paul says, look, guys, don't be like the Gentiles who are hopelessly confused. Let me, let me put it in, in, in modern translation. Guys, don't be like the world that's completely lost. Doesn't know what they're doing. Doesn't know right from wrong. Don't be like that. Instead, here's what I want you to do. I don't want to shine it in anybody's eyes. So I want you to, I want you to, I want you to be, listen to what he says. He lays it out. He gives context to what it looks like to be in the world. It's right here in scripture. Number one, they're hopelessly confused, double-minded, uncertain. The Bible talks all about being, a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. They are hopelessly confused. They're tossed and driven, the scripture talks about, by every wind of doctrine. We talked a little bit about it last week. Hopelessly confused. Oh, here's a great thing, and they're going this way. And oh, this sounds good over here. Hopelessly confused. Here's another one it mentions in scripture I read today. Their minds are full of darkness. Thus, they're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. That we could sit here and talk about how dark their minds are. Or... We can be children of the light. Listen to this one. Their heart, they have hard hearts, the scripture says. Hard hearts. What is that? It's unforgiving, undisciplined, not teachable. That, that's the world. They're not teachable. You see it all the time. This is my agenda. I'm sticking to it. You either get in line with it and you're on my side, or if you're not, then you're on somebody else's team. Unteachable. Unteachable. I think, I think one of the great... Uh, the great characteristics of a Christ follower is we're, we're, we're teachable. Don't be like them. They're, they have hard hearts. They would rather just get up and leave and do their own thing than try to understand and adapt. And, and Why? Because their hearts are hard. They're closed off. You can't tell me anything. They have hard hearts. Here's another one it says. It says they have no sense of shame. No sense of shame. I mean, let's, let's be honest. If we look around our world right now, no sense of shame. It's, it's almost as if the things that are shameful are now celebrated. Sins that should be, that, that used to be done, done in secret. That I don't, want, I don't want this to be exposed. I don't want anybody to know about it. I don't want them to hear about this. It's now celebrated. There's no sense of shame. Here's another one, they desire self-gratification. Whatever is good for them, whatever looks good, whatever feels good, whatever seems good, self-gratification. See, the very essence of Christianity is that if you wanna follow him, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and go after him. That, that, that's Christianity, that's, that's the way Jesus wants us to live. It's not through self-gratification, it's through actually denying ourselves. But the Bible says, hey, they, they, they have self-gratification. Number six, 
Paul says, sums it up, says they're quick to practice all types of impurity. Quick to practice all types of impurity. But I love it. Because the, the, the chapter finishes off with, but you've got to be children of light, and here's what they look like. And it gives three specific things. It doesn't give a bunch, it just gives three specific, here it is. Number one, be kind. But you, here's how you got to live, Christian, Christ follower. Be kind. What does that mean, be kind? Be kind. I, I think that we probably, you know, when you hear the word kind, you're like, okay, I, I, and, and you can even think of a person. Oh, that person's kind. Maybe the way they treat somebody. This word in the original, it's kind, means to be better, easy, kind of easygoing, right? Good, but you know what it also means? Listen to this. It also means to be fit, fit for use, and useful. Which probably goes back to the previous verses that we read about where it says that, 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 that Jesus is building his church and he's fitting us together. Be kind. Be fit together. But, but, but we don't see eye to eye. Be kind. Be fit together. But, but, but we're not completely the same. Be kind. Fit together. Now, now listen to me. Kind doesn't mean that we're free of friction. Right? Y'all know what friction is, right? Right? Doesn't mean we're free of conflict. Matter of fact, it, it, it's actually the opposite of that. It's in those moments of friction when God is fitting us together. It's in those moments of friction and conflict that actually kindness is seen. You, you don't see kindness if everybody's just like, oh, we're all the same and we're all awesome and we all wish we all are. Awesome. Let me tell you when you see kindness in action. You see kindness in action when there's a little bit of friction. When there's a little bit of conflict. Right? Be kind. This is the scripture. Be kind. Do this. The second one it says is tenderhearted. What does it mean to be tenderhearted? Well, 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 previously it says don't be like them. They have hard hearts. See, where kindness is the where we interact with others... Tender-hearted is more personal. It's, it's, hey, how do we receive things? How do we process things? Are we teachable? Are we moldable? Are we, why is it so quiet in here? <laughs> Tender-hearted. Man, remaining, remaining pliable and soft. You know, one of the images that is given in the New Testament, and even in the Old Testament actually, is, is that, that, that we're like clay in the master's hands. You ever worked with hard, brittle, dried up clay? What does it do? Breaks and crumbles. But if you've worked with soft, moldable, pliable clay, guess what? Something can be created. And he is building his church. And he's asking you to be tender-hearted, kind to one another, tender-hearted, completely opposite of a hard heart. You're teachable, you're pliable, you're flexible. And then he says this, forgiving one another. This is what the church looks like. We're kind to other people, to one another in the church, to those outside of the church. When friction happens, guess what? It's okay. It's a part of life. We're kind to one another. But we're also tender-hearted 
but then he puts this in here and he says, and I want you to, I want you to walk in forgiveness. I want you to forgive one another. Why is that in the scripture as he's talking to the church? Maybe because he knew there would be conflict. Maybe because he knew there'd be some friction. Maybe because he knew there'd be some moments of tension. Listen, he didn't put it in scripture just as a one album. Yeah, this one sounds good. No, it's in scripture because we need to learn to walk in forgiveness with one another. It's like a huge theme in the Bible. Walk in forgiveness. And then he classifies it. And he says, oh, you don't know what that looks like? It looks like what Jesus did for you. Walk in forgiveness. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, because see, here's, here's what forgiveness is to some people. Forgiveness to some people is, you offended me. Um, we're not going to hang out anymore. Out of sight, out of mind. That's what forgiveness is to some people. Here's what forgiveness is biblically, okay? There's a restoration process that's involved in it. There is a complete letting go, surrender. There is a dying to self. And then there's a restoration that happens through it. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I, I, I want you to use Christ as your example, walking in forgiveness, quick to forgive. Ask for forgiveness. Listen, this works both ways. This isn't just, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to be quick to forgive people that offended me. What about you when you've offended somebody else being quick to go and ask for forgiveness? Right? Like, it's, it's, it's both ways. This is walk in that. This is the culture of, 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 of the children of light. This is the culture of the church that we're going to be quick to forgive. We're going to walk in forgiveness. Man, when something's not right, man, and we, or we don't feel like it's right. Here's the thing. Have you ever come to the realization that some of the things that you don't feel are right that maybe you're actually wrong on? I see a few heads nodding. No, I don't think that's right. Well, you're wrong. Because here's the thing. As children of the light, we don't live by feelings. Our feelings deceive us all the time. I can prove it to you. I can prove it to myself. I'm so glad I didn't marry that one girl. But man, we're in love and we love each other. And you were 15. I know some of you married your, your high school sweetheart, and that's awesome. But listen, man, feelings deceive you, right? You ever felt like eating that third cheeseburger? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Big mistake. So, so here's the thing. Have you ever been in that moment where I, I feel like I'm being treated this way? Here's the problem with feelings. It's your reality. But here's how we handle it as Christ followers. We don't live by feelings. Because, I, I mean, he, he, he even says in here, don't get angry. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You know, one, one of my favorite, favorite scriptures, I don't have time to find it right now, but is when Paul is instructing Timothy, who is a young pastor in the faith, not to hit other people. <laughs> now, how many know if Paul has to write to a pastor in the Bible and say, hey, don't hit people? How many of us want to hit some people sometimes? Because we feel like, you know, that's the right thing to do. I just want to freaking just punch. Don't live by feelings. 
Live by the word of God. Be children of the light. Be kind, be tenderhearted, and walk in forgiveness. I, I, I just had this happen recently where someone came to me and they laid out this long list of things that they felt like I had done. And I, I just sat there and I graciously listened. And then at the end of it, I said, I am so sorry you feel that way. I would never want you to feel that way. Will you please forgive me? I owned it. And there was this awkward silence. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And the person says, no, I won't. And there was more awkward silence. And I said, why? <laughs> and they said, well, in my heart, I think I forgive you. But I'm, I, I, I'm not going to say the words I forgive you. Because what you just did is not an appropriate response in this setting. I was like, hold on a second. No, it's, it's appropriate. Listen, the most appropriate thing you can do is live according to the word of God. The most appropriate thing you can do, listen to me, that's not culture. Culture's dark. The world's dark. The world's blinded. The world can't see. But rather than pointing our finger at the world, what if we just said, hey, man, you know, I'm going to live according to this right here. This little light of mine. Guess you don't know that one. Whatever. What if we became children of the light and began to live by the word of God and said, this is what we're going to do. You know, why is it so important? Let me tell you why it's so important. Let me give this to you and then we're going to be done. Look at that. It's only 1054. Record setting Sundays. Why is it so important? Why is Paul stressing this to the church? Because the thing is, is the church, people, it's made up of people. It's a tendency to kind of live according to feelings and kind of do their own thing. Don't, don't do that. I want you to live this way. you, you got to live this way. you got to be children of the light. Here's why. Number one, so we glorify God. Verse 30, glorify God. Live as children of the light. I mean, you know, later on, my girls, you know, they're old enough, they're going off to camp. You know what I'd give them? They'd pack all their stuff, and I'd be like, hey, take a flashlight. Why? Because in the middle of the night, if you need to use the restroom, I remember one day in the Redwoods. Come on, somebody. You'll have a flashlight. You'll be able to see. You know how disappointed I would be if my daughter came back from camp all banged up and bruised up? And I said, why are you so banged up and bruised up? Well, I had to use the restroom in the middle of the night. I was like, did you use your flashlight? No. You know what I'd want to do? I want to snatch that flashlight. Right. Take it back in my money back. You laugh. But I'll be honest with you. I have to wonder if over the last six months, God's looking down at his church wanting to snatch his flashlight back. It got real quiet. Are you going to use it? Are you going to turn it on? Are you going to live like children of the light? Listen to me, the world right now more than ever needs the church. People right now more than ever need the church. People need the light that's inside of you. 1 Peter 2.9, man, we are God's chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people pulled apart. Why? So that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Did you see the part where we got to proclaim it? It's not enough to be in it. 
We need to be a reflection of it. To live as children of the light. Why do we do this? Because we don't want to bring shame to God. Number two, so that others can see. So that others can see. Verses 25, 26, 27, 28. It says, hey, look, do this so for others. Do this for others. Do this for others. The reason we need to be children of the light, the reason the church is so needed right now, because the world is dark. <clears throat> the world is dark. People can't see. But rather than pointing the finger at the world, why don't we say, you know what, it's my responsibility at my job place. It's my responsibility at my, at, my, at my school. It's my responsibility within my home. It's my responsibility in my neighborhood. It's my responsibility within my church. It's my responsibility to, to just turn on that light and say, you know what, and here's the thing, if we all turned on our lights, it'd get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. We do it for his glory but we also do it so that others can see. Listen to this. Matthew 5, 13 through 15. In case you're more prone to the words of Jesus rather than the words of Paul, check this out. This is Jesus preaching the greatest message ever. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It's rhetorical, no. It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. It's not a basket, I know, it's the word of God. But no one lights a lamp and then goes and hides. No one lights a lamp and then is like, well, I don't know if this is meant for my job place. I don't know if this is meant for my school. I don't know if this is meant for my neighbors. I don't know if this is meant for my city. I don't know if this is meant for this time. I mean, we should probably just comply with everything. It's getting real quiet. We should probably, yeah, the church can't be bright right now. So no, don't, don't do that. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We've got to be children of the light. Right now, I believe there's no greater time than the church, churches, our church, the church down the road, the church across the street, the church over here, there's no greater time right now than the church to be gathering. Man, online, thank you, but live, being, being lights in a dark place. Man, 400 backpacks, come on, that's a lot of light going out. Come on, next Saturday morning, man, gathering with thousands in our city to pray for school and for education and for students and for, for, for all those. And man, there's no greater time than right now for the church to rise up. This is not a time, there's never a time, but this is definitely not a time where we should be capping this thing and hiding this thing. Listen to me, the enemy tried that. The enemy said, man, we're going to shut it down. Come on, but the church rises up victorious. Come on, you rise up victorious. It is time. Listen, not just in a building, but when you go out, when you go to your job, when you go to your neighborhood, when you go to your school, this is a time to let the light of God shine through each and every one of us because it's a dark place and people need to be able to see. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, we thank you that your word is just, God, it's alive. 
God, it's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Hallelujah. 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 Just do me a favor, go ahead and stand to your feet as we close out this service. Hallelujah. I, I feel, just with your eyes closed, I want you to hear this. I've been feeling it all morning. I feel like there's a call uh, going out. A cry from, from God's heart wanting the church to step up like never before. Wanting the church to rise up like never before. Wanting the church to begin to move forward in brilliance and brightness and light. If I could just for a moment, just with your eyes closed, and you're in this moment, that you feel like what's taken place over the last six months. And I want you to hear my heart. I don't believe God caused the virus, but I believe he's allowed a virus to shake up the very foundations of the church. I believe he's allowed the virus not just to be something that, 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 that would Im impact people's health, but it's impacting culture. It's impacting people's worldviews. It's impacting people's belief systems. And I believe that God's allowed it to shake up the foundations of the church to see what's built on the rock and to see what's built on the sand. Whatever's been built on sand has been crumbling. Whatever's been built on the rock, man, it's standing sure. And all you have to do is look around this room. I had this conversation, had this conversation with um, some people this morning. I said, look around, look around Canvas Church. What do you see? I said, Pastor, I see a lot of, a lot of people that are mature in their faith that are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And they're the ones coming back first. They're the ones that are making their way through the doors. They're not scared. But they're, but they're the ones with the, that, that should be at, the, at, that, at that place where they're the most concerned. So, so pastor, why is that? Here's why I believe. It's people that have learned to build their life on the rock. It's people that have learned to build their life on the truth of God's word that said, look, my health is, is good. Listen to me. I know there's some people watching online. I'm not saying that if you're watching online right now that you don't have this immense faith and this love for Jesus and this rock solid foundation. You know where your health is at. You know where you need to be and you're in the right place. But there are people that others are looking at saying, well, they should be afraid. They should be in fear. No, they're not. Because they know where their health is at. But more importantly, they know that their firm foundation is Christ Jesus. They know their firm foundation is the Word of God. And they're not going to be swayed. They're going to continue to gather. They're going to continue to worship. They're going to continue to do what they're doing. Listen to me. I believe over the last several months that the foundation has been shaken. But I believe that we have the answer right here. Right here in this study we've been doing in the book of Ephesians. Come on, it's time to come together, church. And it's time to be the light. It's time to be children of the light so that the dark world can see. Lord, we thank you for your word. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that today, Lord, that each and every one of us, God, would take this. God, that we would learn from it. We would glean from it. God, we would challenge ourselves and we would walk out of here asking questions. We'd walk out of here, Lord, wrestling through the truth of your word and saying, how can I be a child of the light? Thank you for joining us today. 
For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.